From beanies to carry bags and from shoes to caps, browse our shop now at tntradio.live. Germ Warfare is Jeremy now on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Germ Warfare at tntradio.live. It's my email address as always. Thank you for those uh, emails that you have been sending me and uh, a special thank you to those who uh, tell me where they're mailing me from. As always, I thoroughly enjoy that. Jump into the live chat on TNT's website or wherever else it might be found. I don't know. I think you can use you can chat in the app as well. And uh, if you are watching via the live stream now, the uh, I think it's X, Twitter, Rumble. I'm not entirely sure. Did I say Twitter? X, Twitter, YouTube, I mean. I don't know. Go to TNT's website. You can find all the links there. It is a great pleasure to be with you. Alex and uh, Joel and I are going to be around for a little while and uh, going to be joined in a moment by my guest. Let's uh, let's jump to that. My name is Jim. This is Jim Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. Getting straight to the facts. Enough with the lies. We need facts. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. It's been a while. Happy New Year, Scott, over in China. Yeah, indeed. Uh, yeah, it's been a while, and it's been long enough for our internet connection to get much worse. <laughs> I was just joking a moment ago that I'm in Africa, you're in China, and I've got a worse, I mean, I've got a better internet connection. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's bad luck today. I mean, I you can know hear what it you, does but show. it's but it's true. No, the video you know what is it, not perfect. You know what it? No, but you know what it does show. You know what it does show is that China is not special. <laughs> well, it, show, it kind of is special. I mean, we are kind of we are kind of cut off from the global internet in that sense. We are kind of special. I think. Uh, I mean, they have they, they limit the, the 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 connectivity on purpose, and uh, usually it's not too obvious but today it's a little obvious so this is actually mm. connection from hong kong but uh, yeah i don't know well these are mysterious things you know well let's let's uh, debunk a few a few myths particularly around social media you had a great substack article uh, recently about uh, how social media particularly western social media like x and facebook etc how how it creates a distorted view of of china yeah, I think it's uh, it is an interesting subject, and I think it's one if you look out there, you find very much information on, uh, because you have these different views out there, but very few people have a concept of what the overall big picture is in terms of what's on offer, and the, I think the kind of the the I think the number one challenge there is the fact that you tend to have very extreme uh, viewpoints in the sense that there, there's very little, uh, there are very people that are sort of in, in the middle and trying to kind of make sense what, what the truth could be. The positions are kind of entrenched. And I think there's an interesting parallel to that as well. That's the situation if you look at what, well, with the discussion about Russia, Ukraine on the Western internet, it's very similar to, to the discussion about China. You have the you know, the, basically the pro-Russian group that basically support whatever the Russian government says. And then you have the pro-Western group that, well, you know, they're the opposite. 
Uh, and the pro-Russian group says, oh, the Ukrainians are all Nazis and we're fighting against Nazis to save the world from Nazism. Uh, I'm sure you've heard that before. And uh, then the uh, Westerners say, what do they say? Um, we have to stop the Russian bear, the menace, uh, otherwise they're going to take over the world or Europe or something. Something like that. Uh, something like that. So, so, but then, and there are a few people in the middle, right, that say, well, you know, some of this is true, some of that's not true, but, but there's, there's not that many. I mean, I don't know if the name Riley uh, Wagaman rings a bell to you, but he's kind of one of the few out there that tries to kind of be in the middle and say, well, you know, a lot of stuff the West is saying stop making sense, but I mean, don't take the whole uh, Russian storyline either, because it's also, you know, it's, it's marketed towards their market, and uh, they also are presenting a very simplified version of reality, which, you know, uh, may in, in, in partially be accurate, but it's definitely not accurate in all respects. And I think that's very similar we have regarding China. Uh, so we have this group of people that are very uh, anti-China, uh, and say, you know, China is bad, China is evil, uh, China is dystopian. Uh, and then you have this other group of people that say China is all wonderful and it's, um, you know, uh, it's all, it's basically the paradise and they're leading the way towards the future. And, uh, uh, you know, how dare you criticize uh, the leadership of China? Something along those lines. Um, <clears throat> Of course, there are there is some subtlety there. There's some. It's not all are exactly the same, and we can discuss a little bit later. There are, there, there are a couple of different versions out there, but there are very people that say, well, you know, they're they're doing some things right and some things wrong, and uh, a lot of what you get from the uh, anti-China group is not honest. But uh, it's also not accurate to say it's all rosy, you know, and then uh, they're doing everything right. Uh, so there there is something between them, but there's not a lot. There are not a lot of voices like that. And I think uh, it's kind of understandable why, because if you do try and position yourself there, then neither side likes you, right? That's, that's, that's kind of the challenge, I think, that, that we have um, given ourselves, because from our perspective, from the Austrian perspective, uh, you could also say, to a certain extent, from the libertarian perspective, uh, I'd say there's the problem with all of those narratives. Um, mm -hmm. So that's... Uh, that, that's sort of the, the, the big picture thing. So if you want to go into, into details, we can talk about that, uh, what, what some of the different, more popular uh, takes are. Uh, but I think that's, 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 that's the big picture challenge. Yeah, you and I were chatting uh, a few weeks ago about, about this. Uh, there's an interesting psychology, Scott. Uh, and I don't know why it's like this, but it's exceptionally binary. It's one or zero. Uh, you, you know, you're alluding to the fact exactly. now that People struggle with nuance. You know, it's people struggle with something being gray. They they want everything to to be black or white. That's it. Uh, either China is this technocratic hellhole, or uh, you know, uh, it's just incredible. It's just ahead of the world in everything. It's one or the two, but it's it's not either of those. And it's the same with everything in life. You know, there's there's gray. All over the place, and I—it's—it's—it's it's it's very interesting to me why people struggle with this so much. Yeah, I—I I think that is a, it, it is a, it ought to be a very interesting question for everyone. Why that is because it leads us to make so many mis mistaken judgments about the world when we when we approach it with this black and white perspective. And I think maybe the answer is that it's because people lack personal experience. 
Yeah. Uh, if exactly. you have personal experience with something, then it's it's much less likely you will end up being black and white. Because you see that you've you've seen the nuances, and then if somebody says, "What's well, all this way?" then you say, "Well, you know, but I, I I've uh, that doesn't completely match up with my experience." And and sure, it's always people that are very extreme. But as long as you've had personal experience, you have criteria you can judge it by. So you know, if somebody is telling you, for example, like we had this discussion a couple months ago about the social credit thing. So uh, there are people out there in the in, in particularly in the West that have never been to China, and many of them they're they're absolutely certain this social credit thing exists, and one of them. Uh, who is seems to be a well-meaning guy. I think his name is Ian Davis. Uh, he pointed out, he said, but actually, look, look, the Chinese government themselves, they say it exists, right? And he, he's right. It, it does. There, there's, there is a speech. There was a speech a couple of years ago a guy from the Chinese government gave, and he said, yeah, yeah there's this social credit system thing. So he's right. Uh, but from the perspective of people who live on the ground in China, nobody's ever heard of this thing. So, uh, but he, he, because he, he's never been to China and he has that, he lacks that nuance, so it's easy for him to misunderstand that. Whereas for people in China, they, they listen to this government guy's speech and they think, oh, well, it's just another government, one of those government slogans of which there are, you know, millions. People who live in China, they don't have that experience because they, maybe their governments are different or they, they just don't have that, that, that personal experience. But that's certainly one of the old, the legacies that we have in China from old-style communism is that we have an endless stream to what we, what we consider to be empty slogans. You can say they're all empty slogans because some of them actually, uh, but a lot of them don't really go anywhere. Uh, and we're used to that. So for us, if we hear a speech like that, we don't necessarily attach that much importance to it because we have that all this other information in the background that uh, allows us to put that in, in, in place. And he didn't have that. So anyway, I'm just saying it's not his fault that he doesn't have that information, but that's what makes it difficult, yeah. I think. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's so interesting to me because if you actually just take a moment and you take a step back and you think about how you have come to these conclusions, you have to actually realize that you've been fed information. For example, we see what's going on in the Middle East, and there's this, uh, there's this intense hatred for Muslims, and and they're always being blamed for everything, right? And uh, even going all the way back to 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 9/11, the same thing with China. This is intense hatred, but this hatred mm. comes from the West. You know, it doesn't it doesn't happen in any other part of the world, and so. You have to then go, okay, well, hold on. Why do I believe what I believe? And that's why I said to you a few weeks ago, you know, talking to somebody like you and others who actually present a view from being in China, it challenges my own narrative. And it makes me think, okay, perhaps <laughs> perhaps I was fed something that was false and I'm willing to, to readjust that. But it becomes way too difficult to deal with dogmatism or, or shall I say dogma when people just want to believe that China man bad and everything to do with China is evil yet look in their homes just about everything comes from China yeah and it's it, all I can say is it's I have I really understand where people are coming from when they lack that context and they are unable to make that judgment but I, I will fault people for not realizing that there are these two different sources of information that they are uh, that all of our 
everything we believe about the world comes from, in part from our, in part from what we hear from outside. And we have, where everything comes from outside, and then it's much harder for us to, to judge how, how realistic that is. Like, I'll give you a, a, a completely separate, unconnected example. Like I said, we are told that uh, the Earth revolves around the sun. We have a little bit of experience about that. Uh, we can make some judgments, but it's pretty far away from what, from, from what we experience on an everyday basis. So back in the day when most people believed that the, uh, I think what there was, they originally believed that the sun revolved around the Earth, like the sun and the moon, they all revolved around the Earth. And that was also understandable. And that was what they were told. But they lacked a personal mm. relationship with that, so it's very easy to get to to become attached to a certain version of reality that you were told, because you don't have ability to to measure. Like like you know, like one of the things we're told is the Earth has the, the distance from the Earth to the Sun, or the distance from the Earth to the Moon is so and so far, it's so and so many kilometers. But how do they know that? I mean, maybe it's true, maybe it isn't. But nobody has taken a core, a rope, and measured it, right? So maybe they're right, maybe they're not. But we don't know. I mean, it's then that it's a theory, right? And maybe it's right, maybe it isn't. But there's no way for me as an individual to really check that, right? Yeah. And I think that's 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 the challenge that we face. And then people and so, become so attached sorry, to these on. perspectives because they've been they've they've not only had had the basis, but they've built up a whole worldview on top of that basis. And they've been mm. they've been building this up for years. And if you say, well, this all wrong i mean it's that's that's difficult for people to ex accept mm. um if you don't mind scott i'm just going to quickly ask alex if we can just jump to a break slightly earlier um i just want to see if alex can sort out your audio if possible alex if you don't mind my name is jim this is tnt tnt's pervoy morich he details factually how russia is rolling out the algorithm ghetto um you know the the, the multipolar edition of the algorithm ghetto a prototype of a traffic light that records traffic violations by a pedestrian at a crossing was tested in Moscow. So Russians now, they'll they'll have a, the government will take a snapshot of their face and then run that through the databases to figure out who is who and then find them, uh, I suppose. Uh, and then, you know, he, he points out that there are a lot of developments now. Moscow 2030, it's, it's uh, they want to make uh, Moscow achieve smart city status uh and there's just you know you look at the white papers moscow and russia are all in on agenda 2030 smart cities algorithm ghetto digital ids pervoy morich on today's news talk tnt when the world's endangered animals need help most when their lives are at greatest risk when they would otherwise be lost the International Fund for Animal Welfare is there, taking action to rescue the animals we love, to protect them and their threatened natural habitats. But the danger to animals the world over is growing, and the need for your help has never been more urgent. On land, you'll help stop poachers from threatening and killing elephants and big cats for the illegal wildlife trade. In the oceans, you'll help rescue dolphins, whales, and seals from deadly hazards. And you'll help rescue, rehabilitate, and release vulnerable animals when disasters strike. Here at home and around the world, we can't do this work without you. 
See how you can help animals and people thrive together at joinifall.org. Today's News Talk Radio. Come on, let the man talk. We never censor our hosts. Good. Now, talk. Uncensored News. Today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Scott, you know, I, I love social media in the sense that it's it's brought a lot of information to me very quickly and, uh, you know, diverse amounts of information from around the world. I, I don't need to rely on journalists now. I can I can rely on anybody, essentially. I mean, it's like, it's like decentralized news and information, but it also comes with a negative, and, and that is immense amounts of propaganda. You know, if you go onto X you, for more than five minutes, you'll think that China is this socialist, communist, totalitarian hellhole. And it's weird to me because on the one end, I think that a lot of it is deliberate, maybe even funded by anti-China groups. But on the other hand, it seems to be a, it's just people parroting information that they keep seeing elsewhere. And it just, it just keeps, you know, flowing like a, or rolling down a hill like a snowball. Well, it's true. However, I, I have to say, I mean, the, most of the, the, the posts are coming from the same people. It's not that large of a group. And I, actually on, I'd say particularly on the anti-China side, it's, uh, I won't call it a small group, but it, you see the same people over and over and over again. And, and they, are, they don't seem to be particularly open to any type of new information. So if, mm. you have, if you try and conduct a discussion with them, it's just useless because there's not... There's no interest in that at all. They already have their their storyline, their pitching, and that's it. And you know, except one of the the big, the, the most prominent example being this Twitter account called Songping Ank, which is like the top disseminator of anti-Chinese propaganda. Uh, and they, you know, they are they are a uh, full-time operation. They produce I, I don't know how many tweets do they have up till now. It's a couple of hundred thousand. So I mean, they're they're. They're busy people, right? And they have an agenda out there. So discussing anything with them is useless, but they're, 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 that's only one of uh, certainly hundreds that are like that. Uh, on the, let's see, it's called the pro-China side. Uh, I'd say there are probably more people that are on the pro-China side uh, that are um, less productive than people like Song Ping Ang that are producing it industrially, essentially. But it's interesting, one of the, the, one of the, the, the ironic points is that both of those groups have one thing in common and that they both uh, proclaim that Chinese is common China is communist which is interesting yeah. and they say what but see both <laughs> the side, both the sides claim that it's, that, that it's kind of the people the anti-china people and the pro-china they both say that it's communist well not all of them but a lot of them do and that's kind of <laughs> funny right because they're they're normally sort of uh, uh, bitter enemies but, uh, but they seem to agree about that one thing except there's one catch with that and even the Chinese government doesn't say that China is communist right so that's mm. That's a little bit of a problem with that that perspective. Um, so uh, then you have you have this other group out there. So those those the those actually go those are the two biggest groups. And the other the third group you have out there is the the China collapse people. Uh, they say that uh, China is um, it's all a big illusion. Uh, it's not uh, it's not this uh, masterful, powerful. Uh, uh, all-powerful uh, controlling entity that that has uh, monitoring people all all over the place and, and every everything they do. Uh, in fact, it's all an illusion and it's about to collapse tomorrow. And that that story has been out there for, I think it started in two thousand one, 
uh, when they, uh, the first one came out, that was uh, Gordon Chang, uh, and he uh, came out with this book, uh, The Coming Collapse of China, and he said it was going to happen, I think he had to leg until 2011, he said it's definitely going to happen by 2011, didn't, didn't quite work out. Uh, but there's still people every year that come out with this, that same story, right? So they're, they're a little bit less focused on how, how powerful and wonderful the Chinese uh, Communist Party is, the CCP. Uh, they're much yeah, the more CCP. down about them. And one of the things that <laughs> the CCP, right, uh, and we kind of laugh about that. Uh, but actually, that's, that's also an interesting, it's a, it's a side, but it's an interesting side for people to grasp sort of the debate that's out there. They have these two groups of people. So one thing they really disagree about is what to call this party that, that uh, allegedly runs China. One of the groups, one group calls them the CCP and the other one calls them the CPC. Uh, and the CPC is, in fact, the official name. And the people who call them the CCP, uh, you know if somebody uses the word CCP, well, you, you can guess that they're probably in the anti-China group. Uh, because it's kind of used as a slight, like, like it's, it's kind of a subtle insult, like you, they, they refuse to call them by their proper name. It's like when they call, uh, instead of, you know, if there's somebody, if there's a, a president we don't like, do we call him president? No, we call him a, a dictator or we call him a strong man, right? We don't call him a president, right? If it's call him a president, well, it's because we like him, right? And that's kind of the same thing with the CCP, CPC thing. Like, we don't like them, they're the CCP, and if we like them, they're the CPC. It's a, very, it's a, it's a subtlety out there. Uh, yeah, and, and then among among the, the CCP people, you have these uh, that those, those two groups. I just meant talk about the, the collapse group. We didn't really talk about so much about the first group. The first group is uh, the people that uh, that proclaim that they're basically sending out the uh, this um, narrative according to which uh, this this entity, and I always say it's like a Borg-like entity. It can it controls everything. They monitor every, every, every move. Uh, one, of these, one of the great uh, posts I found, let me see if I by Wall Street Silver out there, was, that was just the epitome of this, this, uh, this uh, storyline. And he, what did he say right here? Let's find it here. He wrote uh, that the, the CCP, oh, sorry, find it here. He says, now if a... Um, She's talking about the social credit score. She says, besides trying to social credit score experiment gains momentum, now if a person with a low rating calls you on your phone, your phone emits a siren instead of the usual <laughs> ringtone. <laughs> then, there, there is a, then there is a voice reminder that a conversation with this subscriber will lead to a decrease in your score. <laughs> I mean, that is... That is um, I mean, people, people will say, well, you're just, you know, that's, I'm, I'm sure there are many people, if they hear that, who, who will say that's, that's true, you're just pretending that, that really exists, but that's, that's ludicrous, right? Um, I mean, yeah, they that just make happen, up stuff. Yeah, they just, make, they just make up stuff, right? I mean, it's just incredible. <laughs> and some of the stuff that they make up, right, it's a little bit more, it's a little bit well, better done. Like, you can see, like, they'll actually make a video, and they'll show a picture of a cell phone and say, look, this is the social credit score. And actually, what they're showing is somebody's credit score, uh, mm. right? That the private companies who have who provide credit score, credit ratings. Uh, there's there are two in China that do this, and you can opt in, and you can have a credit rating if you want. So they show that. So that's at least that's at least that's not fake completely, right? But this is just absurd, right? And if any of this really <laughs> existed, well, there would be lots of recordings of it, right? 
Uh, it's just it, it, it you, like that. You read stuff like this, and there's just no limit to the absurdity that they'll they'll come up with, and in in their quest. But you think about it, these yeah. people must really. I mean, if, if they were logical, these people must really believe firmly in communism. They must think that this this omnipotent party that apparently can do everything. They control all this technology, yes. and they're tracking. <laughs> they're all magnificent. Four billion people. <laughs> I'm, and you, you have to you have to kind of ask yourself, well, if that's true, if they're really this this incredibly powerful, omnipotent, competent organization, well, why didn't why didn't communism work out before, right? You know, mm. we had the we had the disaster of the Soviet Union. How many people died there? And we had the the Maoist China. We had how many people? Millions starved to death. And it was the, yeah. basically the almost the poorest country in the world. Well, that didn't work out very well. Well then, why is this version so much better, right? Yeah, uh, and I think yeah, exactly. the answer is that. That's the thing. That's the thing, thing. Scott. Mm. Yeah, sorry, I was saying that's the thing that people we they have this weird kind of block. Like uh, China's communist totalitarian hellhole. Okay, how is it then that it's becoming the world's most powerful economy? People who are slaves do not succeed. They are not prosperous. They are not innovative. They 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 are not. Um, they're not going to make the country the, you know, the most powerful economy in the world. Right, and this has been proven countless times. Slave labor is not an efficient economic model. It just doesn't. Mm. It's it's not efficient, and it, it, it's been proven in antiquity. It's been proven in modern times. The Soviet Union was based on slave labor. It was a complete disaster. And if you go back and you compare the 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 anti the uh, economies of antiquity, for example, in the Roman Empire. With modern economies, the obvious difference is the Roman economy was based on slave labor, and there's just there's there's a limit to the efficiency that you can achieve with that. And a lot of people also, when they look back at the history of the United States, also have come to the conclusion that slavery was doomed as an economic model because it's just not efficient. Uh, and I think that's that really has been proven by history. So these people that come out and say China, uh, the factories in China are powered by slave labor, and then. If you look at any, even even the most the most twisted statistics, you can see that China is at a minimum has an economy that's almost the size of the U.S. If you look at, I think, more honest statistics, you will see that China's production levels are three times the U.S. production levels. If you look at productive GDP, we've talked about that before. Uh, but either way, this is not achievable with say, slave labor, and that should be obvious <laughs> to anybody with any any knowledge of economics and history, right? So where yeah. in which which universe do these people exist, right? It's just anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and anyway, but there's an interesting comment here. Um it's asking about Epoch Times and uh, Falun Gong. Now what's interesting, Scott, is Epoch Times falls into the category of, I suppose, to some degree, social media. Uh but I know for a fact that well not for a fact, but I've got a strong suspicion that Epoch Times gets funding from anti-China groups. And so therefore Epoch Times runs stories that are very, very much against China and in favor of Falun Gong. Um, but they are good on other things. But I think on this one aspect, they fall into that same trap as many other media outlets in, in, in terms of that anti-China sentiment. I would not agree. Uh, I would agree with, with part of what you said. I would agree. I think the Epoch Times does some really good work in a lot of areas. I've 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 read their material. I've even saved some of their stuff. 
but they were set up as an organization by the Falun Gong group with the explicit uh, job of generating anti-Chinese propaganda. Uh, and I think that the, one of the ways they, they've, they've approached, approached that and it's been very successful is to give themselves credibility, generate credibility for their organization by doing actually good reporting on a lot of other areas. Yes, yes, and yes, you really yes, have yes. To give them they, they have done a, a masterful job of that. Uh, so in terms of as an organization, well, uh, what can you say? I mean, who with where they started from 20 years ago, uh, they built it into a very powerful organization with a lot of influence, you know, hat off to them. Uh, but they, the Falun Gong was a, or is a group that was heavily suppressed by the Chinese government. I think it's, 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 it's almost ancient history now, but they certainly at the time, whether or not the Chinese government was, was justified, whether they thought it was, they were getting CIA money, uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit too far back to really make it meaningful to talk about that. But in any case, they had good reason to dislike the Chinese government at the time. Uh, they are. Uh, they were certainly uh, persecuted, and many of them ended up fleeing China. So mm. you can kind of understand where they're coming from. Regardless of who funded them, at the end of the day, they had good reasons to dislike the Chinese government. But this was 20 years ago, you know, uh, when they left, and a lot of time has passed since then. The complaints that they had 20 years ago were they were they justified or not? I don't know. But in any case, this is a different world that we live in today, and it's mm. kind of it's it's. It's developed into kind of a vendetta uh, of theirs. But I will say, interestingly, if you compare, for example, their Chinese material they produce in Chinese and the stuff they produce in English, there's a major difference between the two. So the Chinese material is much less extreme than the English material because they know if they go too far with the Chinese stuff, then too many people who are reading the Chinese material have relatives in China or have spent a lot of their life in China, and they read this and go, what? <laughs> this doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. So well, in the Chinese version, they're actually much less aggressive in terms of, let's say, the, the fantasizing that they, they, they go to. Uh, whereas in the English version, like, they're, you know, no holds barred there. If one were to consider that China is this incredible success story in terms of its economy, what are some of the things, Scott, to which you would attribute that to? Uh, that's a very uh, a very astute question. And I think that remembering the answer to that will provide a uh, explanation for many things. We see that, of course, from the Austrian perspective, which uh, is more or less the idea that the free market is ultimately the most powerful engine to create prosperity out there, letting people get on with get on with things. Uh, but you can uh, you can expand that to. Uh, to explain that when we talk about the, the power of the free market, what really makes that so powerful is because you're harnessing the uh, decision-making power, you're, you're harnessing the knowledge of, this, of the entire population out there, as many people as you can. Whereas if you have a centralized planner, particularly, let's say, in an extreme situation like China with 1.1 billion people, and you're the small group of people in Beijing that are planning for everybody, well, then you have a much, much smaller pool of resources. So how did China get from where they were when they were bankrupt in 1976 at the end of the Mao era to where they are now? Well, they did it quite clearly by pushing that decision-making down to the lowest level possible. Uh, and, and they did them in, in two areas. One in terms of 
entrepreneurs encouraging people to do their own thing uh, and ceasing to interfere in their lives. To a large extent, it was a, it was a gradual process, but, but certainly by the mid-90s, that's, that, that's, that's where, we, where we were. And then also, but in terms of the government, the, there was a conscious effort made to decentralize decision-making inside the government as well. And that was what we call the whole process of regionalization, where basically local officials were empowered to make their own decisions, also corrupt, to be corrupt if they, if they so desired, but ultimately they were being judged by their results. Uh, and they were allowed to compete, offering different conditions to different companies, to attract them to invest in their, in their local areas. And then may the best man win. And that really made, I think that made a huge difference. Uh, and we still have that to an extent. I mean, this is now, we're now 30, 40 years down the road. Uh, and contrary to what many people in the West would imagine based on the, the information or the, the, let's say, the cartoonish version they're given about China, uh, they think, oh, centralized planning and the government is deciding everything. Well, actually, that's not true. I'd say in many ways, China is still much, it's more decentralized than, say, the United States. Uh, although, to, let's be fair, the United States is, does have some decentralization still going. The states still still have some power. It's only a better situation than, let's say, in a very centralized country like France, where really almost everything is decided centrally in Paris. Uh, in the U.S., there's definitely still some decision-making power on the state level. And in China, there's an enormous amount of decision-making power still left on the provincial level and, this, and below the local level. And sometimes that's used for corruption as well. Uh, but you have a, a competitive situation there. So I think we have... Uh, we have the level of, of decentralization has decreased. So we've been, China has become more centralized than it was 15 years ago. But it's still light years away from where we were 50 years ago when socialism was still doing its thing. So that's the other nuance that is very difficult for people to grasp is China became very decentralized, very free market. We also, some people said China was an anarchist paradise back 15 years ago. Uh, I mean, really, anything goes. Set up business, mm-hmm. do this, do that. Basically, no limits. Do whatever you want, and nobody's nobody fucks with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, it really was. That was like when when China was the entrepreneurial paradise of the world. It attracted entrepreneurs from ever, absolutely everywhere because it it offered conditions that absolutely nobody else offered. Now mm-hmm. things have definitely they're definitely less free than they were, and there's much more. Uh, there are many more attempts at central planning on the part of the government. And those attempts, we would argue, or we do argue, uh, have impacted the economy very negatively. The government trying mm-hmm. to make decisions instead of the market, trying to, for example, promote specific industries like new energy industries, and pick the winners. And we, just, we know from experience in many other countries, in many other times, that that's not a very successful, likely to be a very successful approach. And, I, and we, would, we, would cre- we would attribute that, the, the, a lot of the problems that China is, fa- China is facing now to those attempts and to that interventionism. The other thing they did is they, not only did they favor certain industries, but they, they uh, destroyed a number of industries they decided they didn't want. So one, one of them is, one of the more recent examples of that was the, uh, the tutoring industry, this, the, the, the cram school industry. They basically banned the whole industry two years ago. And uh, billions of dollars in value disappeared, uh, and millions lost their jobs. It was a, just a, just a, just a, an incredibly out, was outrageous uh, de- destruction of value with absolutely no warning. Um, you could say these people's property rights were violated, and actually, mm-hmm. China in general, in the last thirty years, has had a very high level of respect for property rights. So there, you can definitely see a degradation, and that wasn't the only one. So there was another one 
The P2P industry was also destroyed quite a few years back, at least five, five or six years ago. Really sad, the P2P industry was really exploding, decentralized finance, giving people better returns, uh, providing all sorts of opportunities to borrow money at higher rates, but also with more flexibility, rapid growth of the industry, very dynamic, and then one day the government out of the blue would come and says, nope, we can't do that anymore. And then, and then they wonder why the economy has, is having problems, right? Yeah. <laughs> because they've done this over and over again. So, but it, it, the nuance here is that, yes, they've done a lot of these things, and, and a lot of these things are definitely impacting people's property rights. Uh, they, are, they, are, they are eating away at, at, at economic growth. Uh, they're creating a, they're damaging business confidence. Yes, but still we have these 1.4 billion people and tens or hundreds of millions of small companies that are, are making stuff and, and uh, coming up with new models and ultimately supplying the world with most of its manufactured goods. And that momentum that the economy already has in place continues to go forward. And the government, as much as it has, has an affection for central planning, and it thinks now that, that now that China is rich, it can indulge its, its whims and indulge its affections for central planning. At the end of the day, the numbers are quite clear. The level of employment by state-run companies continues to drop. Uh, they're, not, they're not generating any jobs at all. They're not generating any scientific advancement. All the scientific advancement is coming from the private sector. And all the tax income is also coming from the private sector. So basically, mm -hmm. they can indulge their fantasies all they want about central planning, but it's not going to work. And at the end of the day, they have to collect taxes. They will have to feed themselves. Uh, and it's not going to happen with the state-run industries. And, and it's obvious. And they actually, yeah. to the, half a year ago, they finally, the government, the central government finally came out and said, okay, well, we recognize that the private sector is really important for the economy. We're going to do this, we're going to do that to help the private sector. This is actually the first time this current government came out and said that. So a little uh, piece of background information for the listeners who don't know, we had uh, a change of government in 2013. Uh, so there was a, let's say, fairly right-wing government before that, and then we got a left-wing government starting in 2013. And the, this government has definitely uh, has the mindset that they would prefer to have the state-run companies be have play a larger role in the economy. But the problem is, it doesn't work. Uh, mm. And so, okay, they kind of looks like they kind of kind of figure that out now finally, which is progress, right? Uh, but unfortunately, even though they seem to have kind of figured it out. At the same time, they come with these really long plans about how they're going to help this and that industry and mm. you know, preferential policies. And, this, and it's like they, like they kind of got it, but they're missing the bigger picture here. The bigger picture is, no, <laughs> we don't want preferential policies for anybody. We want to have an even playing field. and We want to have predictable policies by the government. And that's what we had up until you know, 2013. And we need to go back to that. And I'm not saying the current government has done... Evans has been bad in all areas. They they built a lot of nice roads. They built a lot of nice trains, uh, and it wasn't a waste. And some of them were wasted, but a lot of them was was productive. And of course, let's keep in mind here: they're harnessing the power of the private Chinese economy. When these trains are built, and the roads and whatever, this is not coming from this research. This technology yeah. is not coming from Chinese state-run companies. This has been developed yeah. by the Chinese private sector. And also by the Western companies that have also engaged and participated in the Chinese economy. They're also an important part of the Chinese economy. And that's also all worked up really well. 
So uh, this is all you know, positive, positive cycle here, all reinforcing. So yes, some of those things have been done in the last 10 years have been positive. So let's not, let's not you know, throw out the baby with the bathwater. There are some, there, there's a lot, of, a lot of progress made, but at the same time, it's, on, it's all building on this, this huge base of this privately powered economy, which is delivering now, uh, if not the, I think the figure latest year is something like 35% of all manufactured goods in the world. It's a lot for one country. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Scott, give me a moment. I'll be back with you shortly. My name is Jim. This is TNT. Military families often sacrifice precious time away from loved ones while serving our country. And for those with children, the separation can be especially difficult. We were worried that with him leaving, that she would lose those connections with her dad. Some of life's best moments happen between parents, children, and the pages of a good book. United Through Reading provides that connection. You can watch your mom or dad read a book to you, and it almost feels like they're really there. We ensure they remain a consistent, meaningful part of their children's lives, no matter the distance. Just seeing Jacob recognize Daddy again after a long time just melted my heart. And now, as we're facing greater isolation from our loved ones, United Through Reading is also available to veterans. Learn more about United Through Reading and download our free secure app at unitedthroughreading.org. Eggs. You can fry them, scramble them, poach them, boil them, or race them on a spoon. But uncooked eggs can be a risk for food poisoning. To be safe, avoid buying dirty or cracked eggs. Always wash your hands after handling eggs. And if you're concerned, pregnant, elderly, or have a poor immune system, make sure you cook eggs until the yolk starts to firm. Or look for new pasteurized eggs. For excellent eggs, handle them safely. Germ Warfare is Jeremy now on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Scott, uh, there's a comment here. Um, Hevo, I don't know how you pronounce it. He says, you ask a yep. Chinese citizen Let's about this the government. Here. China controls Brandon and much of the U.S. government. Mm. That's the one. Wevo. Uh, did you, sorry, let me, let me read that again. I'm not sure if you heard me there. Uh, the comment goes, ask a Chinese citizen about their government. U.S. is a big part of China's rise. We help the, the CCP get where they are today. Uh, they break no bones about intending to control the world economy and populations, Scott. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm not aware of any such statements uh, on we help the CCP get where they are today. Well, first of all, who is we? You know, I mean, who is this guy, right? Weibo. Did Weibo help the CCP? I don't know. I, I, I kind of <laughs> doubt that, right? Uh, so many uh, privately run Western companies that did invest in China, uh, and there was no doubt they got, they got some uh, green light from above to do that. And they have China, there we go. It's another one. China, China controls part. Biden and. <laughs> right, right. Brandon, right. Uh, <clears throat> China controls Brandon, actually, the government. Well, I just don't see any evidence of that. But you said that's the kind of comment you see a lot of you comments like that you see on social media. But where mm. is the evidence for that, right? I mean, and if they, and if they really, if if China or the CCP or whatever you want to call it, if they really control the U.S. government, then well, why is the U.S. government constantly on a confrontation course with China? Why all these yeah. nasty things they say about China all the time? So that just doesn't. That I just don't don't 
does it make sense? But in terms of uh, the Chinese government's uh, you know, big agenda to control the world, uh, if, well, first of all, been publicized. Uh, but in any case, they have their hands full with the economy. I don't know how they have been able to find time to be spend any CPU time on that at all uh, to to control the world and they can't even get their own economy locally straight. That would be my response to that. If you ask people in the street, no, I don't I think you would get blank stares. Yeah. And I mean, Scott, if if China really did control the U.S. government, right, uh, you would see, uh, you, A, as you say, you would see evidence of that. But B, here's the more important part. If there is another country that's supposedly controlling the U.S. government, I would contend that it's actually Israel. So China, China, I don't think, has <laughs> that much influence over U.S. policy. Yeah, and not only, I mean, I think that that's... I, this is, of course, a sensitive topic, but yeah, I mean, if you look at who has influence in the U.S. corporate establishment and certainly in the government, mm. uh, it's not people of Chinese ethnicity. On the contrary, yeah. it is uh, well known now that in the, certainly in the U.S. tech sector, if you are East Asian, even, even if you have Japanese descent or Korean descent, there is a golden, there is a glass thing, which is very difficult to pass. You, it's very difficult for anybody of East Asian descent to get uh, positions in high-level management, certainly CEO positions. Basically, those are almost all Indians now uh, that, are, that are put into those positions. And we look at, you know, the UK, uh, now the UK, Ireland, Scotland, they're all controlled by yeah. people from either India or uh, run by people from India or Pakistan. And maybe we'll have Vivek here at some point, uh, and then we'll have an Indian also running the U.S., uh, I don't see any Chinese potential candidates there. Uh, so that that's a mm. that that at least that doesn't doesn't seem to match there, does it? Um, no, no, it doesn't. On the political match. side, you don't have that, and 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 on the uh, the corporate the corporate world, you don't have that either. And I would say that kind of sounds like somebody's looking for an excuse, right? And saying, oh, it's not, mm. it's the Chinese. The Chinese are. And there are people like there's this guy named Michael Sanger, Singer, whatever Sanger. He actually wrote a book about how Xi Jinping controls the world. Uh, and then you really kind of have to shake your and go, but what's the evidence? And there doesn't really seem to be any, uh, except that these fantasies about that are related to COVID, that somehow China uh, launched COVID and uh, yes. in the process uh, uh, managed to shut its own con economy down for three years and uh, do all these crazy things at home. But yes, it was somehow attacking the world. And it's all very fuzzy. You know, it's a little bit like that, that, that type we talk about in social media where, you know, they, they, everything is everything is bad, right? And you don't, you don't even know where to start. And with these people, they're so, it, it's, it's so incoherent in many cases, you don't even know really what to say to these people. Like there's this one guy, let me see if I can find it. Where he, he said, he said, uh, a message to the world, beware of communist China's lies, propaganda, disinformation operations, global media <laughs> manipulation, network of spies, cyber army, spreading virus, gray zone tactics. I don't even know what that is. What is a gray zone tactics? Debt trap, pledge trap, gaslighting, land, sea grabbing. Like what? Yeah. Like, yeah. What, 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 what fantasy is and no, the best it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it doesn't. Dirty people doing it's, Dirty, it's comedy, doing, Scott. Like, like, yeah. The comedy, right? Mm. Uh, and you read stuff like this and you go, like, like, like they made a list of all the 
pejorative things they could say, right? Uh, <clears throat> and you know, when you're confronted with stuff like that, then you say, well, I don't know. There's just not. There's, there's nothing. You can't have a discussion with these people, right? Just, there's nothing there. But and just, there's like a bunch of slogans, right? Land, sea grabbing, what, <laughs> where? Uh, <laughs> and you know what's crazy, it's just Scott. What's crazy is that I never, never, never see any type of political commentary coming from China. I see it all the time from the States, right? I have so much stuff in my home that is Chinese made and it, because it's technology. I've got almost nothing in my house that's American made. Um, and when I look at my own country, South Africa, and I see who's doing the development, it's Chinese people, Chinese companies. I don't see Americans doing this. They're the ones who are making threats. Yeah, do what we say, or we right. will sanction you, or we'll bomb you. And that and I don't see China. Also, not only is that, not only is that uh, the reality out there, but it is kind of it has always been the Chinese mentality to, to get things done and yeah. do more more action than talk. And that is, I think, pretty consistently reflects what you see out there. And the Chinese yeah. government, for all their faults, is still more or less along those same lines. So, I mean, they don't. They they do have their slogans out there, but they don't like they they spend very little energy trying to respond to the Western criticism out there. I mean, their spokesman says something every now and then a little about this and that, but it's really very limited. It's much more about mm. we have more we have more urgent things to deal with, uh, and they do because they have they've I would say they've created a lot of problems for themselves with their policies that they pursued, and they're kind of finally figuring it out, like. You know, if you look at what's going on in Germany these days, and I think at this point, the German government, I mean, I'd say that if you compare them, for example, to the Chinese government, compared to the German government, the Chinese government, they look like they're super, supermen, super smart guys, right? I mean, the German government is something god-awful uh, in terms of competence. Uh, you can't get any lower than that. But uh, you see kind of now that like they've, like they've run out of things to say, you know? Uh, yeah, it's so it they 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 screwed everything up so badly that they're uh, kind of speechless at this point. Uh, and in China, it's not it's certainly not anywhere near that. I think have recognized that they need to make some changes. They're just not sure what it is. So uh, we have, and as a, as you know, you know what we've said before. We we have yeah. some serious problems, but it, those serious problems don't mean that China is going to collapse. Uh, yes. It's not going to disappear, right? Uh, yes, there are problems, but like all countries have problems, right? They make all sorts of stupid mistakes. And China also made a number of stupid mistakes, I would say. Um, but that doesn't mean the fact that it makes, I mean, look at all the mistakes that European, the, the EU has made, and the EU hasn't collapsed yet, amazingly. Uh, so I think people underestimate the amount of mistakes that governments can make before things really collapse. And also just, Logically, uh, China has, what, two to three times more people than the States. It seems to make sense that it's going to have the world's largest economy. Yeah, I think that's definitely, I mean, it's, it's obvious if you look at the numbers, unless you, think, mm. unless you believe in the illusionist scenario that we talked about, the collapse there, that it's all fake. And we talked about the debt problem. A lot of people say, oh, but the China is, is high levels of debt out there, and that's why it's all going to collapse. Well, uh, yes, the debt levels do seem to be quite high for local governments. Yeah. But once again, they're, 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 only telling, they're only sharing part of the picture. The other part of the picture is, but they also have all these assets. So they, 
They made all these investments, and some of them were not great investments, but they do still have a lot of assets that are valuable. And yeah. uh, by as far as we can, we can the best guess is that those assets are worth at least as much as the debts. So the debt is not so much of a problem if you actually have assets. <laughs> and that, that is quite much a detail that kind of gets, gets lost, right? Yeah, sorry for jumping in. Our time is starting to run out, but I just wanted to make the point that with the debt trap thing, I know, yeah. someone said to someone said to me the other day, ah, oh, but it's a debt trap. You know, they they building all this all this infrastructure to capture you. All right, so <laughs> I've got this high speed train. No, 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 but it's a debt trap. Okay, but I mean, I'm able to get from point A to point B faster. <laughs> no, no, but you should you should be you should be cautious of that. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Right, and so you need to look at what's on the ground, right? And that's and that mm. that does make a difference. Whereas if you if you, if you're taking all this money uh, and then you're just spending it on welfare or you're uh, on you know DEI training programs, well, that, yeah, that's a complete waste. You're mm. never getting any return on the DEI programs. So that that there's a big difference there. And if you build a train from uh, Kapstadt to you know uh, to to uh, Mozambique, okay, maybe it's not going to be uh, super, the return on investment is not going to be super great, but there will probably be some return on investment. It's actually, it's a, it's, it's certainly a lot more useful than, I don't know, building bombs, for example. Uh, yes, exactly. You know, at least it's going to accomplish something positive, right? So I think that people <laughs> have to, you know, when you're compa- comparing these things, you have to compare apples and apples together. Yeah. And there's a big and difference, the way, right? So as much as you, you can say, well, maybe the, go on. Sorry, sorry, man, Scott, I'm jumping in because look at that time. I want to still promo your Substack. So let's just quickly jump to that. I'll, I'll invite you back. But how can I follow you? Uh, yeah, well, we publish uh, a good bit of material on our English language Substack. Also, a lot of Chinese material as well on different areas. Uh, and that is austrianchina.substack.com. Austrian as in the country, Austria with an N at the end, Austrian China, which refers to the Austrian School of Economics the Austrian perspective on China. So check us out. Uh, Scott in China, I want to thank you for joining me in the trenches, but I want to point out again, people like you are so important. It's because almost primarily because of your work that I decided to change my views and challenge everything I thought I knew about China. So thank you for that. Well, thank you for helping us to bring bring this uh, nuanced view out to the world. (laughs) Nuance, it's not a very popular word. <laughs> and that's not a popular but, view. Oh, and we forgot also Austrian China on Twitter as well. Don't yeah. forget that Twitter as well. All right, thank you, Scott. I'll chat you again, my friend. Take it easy. Okay, take care. Bye bye. And uh, thanks to Joel and Alex uh, for keeping the show going. Um, I just want to remind you: send me an email, germwarfare at tntradio.live. Uh, I'm definitely going to invite Scott back. I love having him on. I love challenging our narratives regarding China. China, China, as Trump says it. Anyway, on behalf of Joel, Alex, and myself, my name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. (laughs) 